Are you a fan of the small ball? Jealous of all the inside analysis and crack on the football pod? Well, we've got you covered with the hurling pod. Join myself, Will O'Callaghan, along with James Skehill and Paul Murphy for the best insight this hurling season. Coming soon to OTB Sports. You ain't shit! I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. My fans can be the harshest critics, you know. And they often are. A wife is often the harshest critic of her husband. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. That's what you're, you're trained to believe as a sports person. There was four million people in Ireland who knew much more about managing <laughs> football teams than I did. When it comes to music, I can spoof with the best. Your sporting career is the best time you'll have, and, you know, you have to hang on to it for as long as your life because everything else is pretty crappy. And this is not like Stephen Rochard has never spoken to Jim McGinnis in his life. This is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us five three one zero six. You can tweet us out Off the Ball. This is our Saturday panel review of the sporting week between now and about two thirty five. Delighted to be joined by the broadcaster and accredited sports psychologist Maura Trassini Cali and the former Dublin football boss Pillar Caffrey. Maura Trassini and Pillar, how are we getting on? Great, great. I'm I'm knee deep in snow here. Ah, uh, sure. Look, and you're wearing white as well, MT. Oh well, look, the winter theme, you know. Very good. And Pillar, you're also wearing white for anybody watching. Yeah, I'm I'm knee deep in sunshine here over in Spain, so uh, slightly different from Mark. Pillar, God, you're always <laughs> in the sun. You're always in the sun, Pillar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Retired man now, John. You're 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 a Spanish correspondent. Um, unbelievable yeah. stuff. So, you, are, are you able to yeah. see now the Dubs and Mayo later? Are you got some kind of streams or what? Yeah, no, no, no. Look, I'll be looking forward to watching uh, the, the the Dublin ladies take on and take on Cork first, and. Uh, uh, no, I've been able to get all the channels over here, so no, to keep keep on top of things. And uh, look, we're very thankful to TG Four for the last number of weekends as well. Like we've been spoiled with, with, with our, our club games also. Um, so so it's been great viewing. Uh, and and look, the national league is hugely important. All these teams now and the quality of the games uh, are fantastic and, and huge interest in them. And uh, you know, with the early championship, it's just making it all for a very exciting, uh, tighter season. Maura Trassa, we need to fast forward 20 years and retire and go to the sun. Oh, God, yeah. Um, that He's just making a very great case. Can you imagine out in Spain, sunshine, wearing white, watching TG Cad? That's heaven. Big time. <laughs> Big time. You can listen on News Talk, folks. Just also watch us on the digital and social channels for Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and uh, on Twitter as well. Um, I was just thinking to myself over the week, Harry Ruddle, that goal was the biggest moment of the sporting year so far. I wish there was more than 17,000 people at the club finals last weekend. I think there's a bit of flux with COVID and everything and calendars and I can understand all that. But maybe in the next five to ten years, whether it's Bridget's Day or that we set aside a day for this like we did with Patrick's Day and and make this a a celebration of our parishes and our communities and our clubs because I would have been pretty cynical about it uh, in the last few years. I don't like the fact that the All-Irelands are over in July uh, in Gaelic Games, I think they're clearing the field for rugby and soccer to get the promotional attention because I do believe when you have a million people watching all Ireland finals and 82,000 people at Croke Park and you could fill it twice over at times for all Ireland finals, that is the promotional juice for the game, which gets uh, people involved at all ages playing. You both are involved in, in Gaelic sports. But I do think that we we do need to almost just uh, kind of sign off on what happened last weekend with Kilku and Baddy Gunner because for Baddy Gunner, first of all, uh, Maura Trassa, uh, a Waterford team had never won the Hurling All-Ireland. Baddy Hale Shamrocks are going for three in a row. 
uh, it was the last play of the game Harry Ruddle that solo and then that, that shot with the puck into the corner of the net it was a fairy tale I haven't remembered that happening in a hurling match before in, in Gaelic games maybe the 84 uh, Cork Tipperary Munster final but it was absolutely incredible it was. It was magical. If you're from Ballygunner, probably less magical if you're one of the Shamrocks crew. But I think for the neutrals watching, I think they probably all were cheering on Ballygunner for those exact reasons that you've just outlined. But do you know, it's interesting watching the club championship this year and actually some of the league games too. They've all kind of come down to those last few minutes and a last gas play. Like I'm thinking back even to the Dublin club hurling final where Kilmacud Croaks managed to steal into extra time just right on the cusp of the whistle nearly. And again with uh, Ballygunner last week. Um, it just goes to show that I think the quality of the game has improved, that the matchups are possibly getting more. I mean, I, we've had our our, our washouts as well obviously as well but it's so entertaining as that person watching and you can feel the heart you can feel the anticipation the adrenaline the intensity the anxiety the stress the euphoria it's amazing and I remember being at one of those um kind of talks that were given at the GAA coaching conference a few years ago and forgive me now I can't remember the person who gave the talk but he was a psychologist and he gave a talk called the soul of sport and I thought it was fascinating the way he explained that as grown-ups this is the only way we can let go of our emotions completely be it joy anger devastation and it's totally accepted and you can run about and jump about like toddlers I saw here this morning running about in the snow when you're a grown-up you're not allowed to do that and the club championship gives that to us and it's interesting actually what you said as well about giving up the window to other sports and I was totally in that camp as well John I I totally believe that like the GAA I mean I know from a pair welfare point of view it made absolute sense but as a fan I'm thinking no I want more and I want the season to go on for longer until I saw like the viewership figures for TG CAD and RTE over the last season as well and Air Sport when I used to work with them people did and do tune in to club games and league games and we're getting them all year round now with the club so we're possibly giving the GAA the platform that as a community game it probably always needed and we didn't give it to them we were always focusing on the inter-county game and which as we know like 99% of GAA members do not play county and while it's the cream of the crop and it's amazing to watch don't tell me that Ballygunner and Ballyhale Tamrocks last weekend wasn't entertaining you know or Kilcoo and Croaks as well and the sportsmanship of Ballyhale Shamrock's pillar, the tweet congratulating Ballygunner. Look, it's easier when you've won more hurling titles than anybody else, but it would have been very painful for them. They were looking to make history. But it just showed that this is classy. This is classy stuff. Yeah, look, there, there, there would be huge respect between teams. And uh, look, when teams get to that stage of the competition, like they really appreciate and know what each of them have put in. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to manage my own club in the FINA to an All-Ireland club final where Cross McGlenn were too good for us on the day. And you know, I know you were talking about attendances there, John, at the start, the introduction. Uh, remember, you certainly correct, 2000, there was 38,000 at, at the All-Ireland final on Paddy's Day that year. Uh, I think 17,000 last week. But I, I felt, look, it clashed in time-wise with, with the big rugby game as well. So, you know, that, that would have taken an awful lot of neutrals that would have popped down to Crow Park for the club finals. They would have been quite happy to, uh, you know, stay at home or go to the pub and watch these games and be able to flip over from one to the other where, where going head-to-head with, you know, the biggest rugby international of the year, the Ireland French game, it didn't help the attendance at all. And... Um, but, but I think, look, there is a huge market for it. Um, and I look, I'd agree with both of you. You know, it was always kids go back to school and, the, you know, there's always been school teachers involved in, in inter-county teams to get the All-Ireland Finals, ex-school teachers involved or, or teachers involved in training and coaching these teams. 
and it has been a huge publicity uh, venue for, for the GA to have the All-Ireland Final and, you know, the first and third weeks in September because the kids were back at school and everybody was able to get hyped about it, you know, whatever two counties were involved in it. I think we have given away, you know, it is going to be very, very hard to get used to All-Ireland Finals. Bad enough last year in August, uh, the year before in December, this year in July. So I, I think, you know, we're giving away a lot of the year to, to, to as you say, look, soccer and rugby, and we just need to be careful because, um, you know, okay, everybody's hugely invested into the GA at the moment, but uh, look at the weather conditions in Ireland. Some of the games have to be called off tomorrow. Uh, you know, the Sigerson being cramped in where it is isn't ideal neither. So, so there's still some things that need to be fine-tuned that we're not at the finished product. And just on the club scene, I, I'd be a little bit concerned that particularly in the football, the hurling is holding up a fine, uh, you know, uh, my own club, the Fina, got to, got to the final. Uh, Mary was talking about it in relation to the fantastic finish that was there. There was a fantastic finish in the, in the fresher semi-final as well, uh, Thursday night. So, but the football, you know, in the club game, I, I think it's gone so negative. Uh, a lot of it is poor viewing and, and that has transferred down, you know, through the club scene. Uh, the Dublin Championship this year, it was a very negative championship. Uh, tight games, but teams prepared to hold on to the ball for long periods of time. So in terms of being a, a hugely enjoyable watch, I'd say, look, finishes are probably covering up for, for a lot of the play that wouldn't be as exciting as has gone in previous years. So that'd be just a little bit of concern that I, I would have going forward in relation to the actual view of, of, of the, the football side of things. Okay, that's an interesting uh, point, Pillar. On Kilcoo themselves, uh, once again, a small parish in Down, 20 years ago, an intermediate club. Mickey Moran has travelled uh, a long road and remember he was involved with Derry back in 93 in the backroom team yeah, there. It's yeah. uh, it's some story for them. That's it. Yeah, look, it's an incredible story, uh, absolutely. And, and lots of little anecdotes has come out s- since the game, you know, and how they pursued Mickey Morden and, and invited him up and, and met with him and basically coerced him into, you know, taking on the challenge and, and it, it finally delivered. And, you know, a lovely little story that I loved that came out during the week was that, um, you know, John Morrison uh, was Mickey Morden's sidekick in most of his ventures over the years. And, uh, the 12th of February, the day of the All Ireland final, was John Morrison's uh, third year anniversary of passing away. Uh, and Kilcool were looking for a goalkeeping coach uh, late last year. And uh, John Morrison's son, uh, Patrick, is a goalkeeping coach and came up with the idea. And he, he came up and joined Mickey Morton's ticket uh, and took on the role. And, you know, there's a great picture produced there of uh, John Morrison's son, Patrick, and Mickey Morton in, in, in the dress of the Crow Park. With, with, with the All-Ireland Trophy. Uh, so just a great little aside. And like, there's not a GA person in the country who wouldn't be happy for Mickey Morden and, and the wonderful photograph that was produced of him kissing the ground from where the winning score w- w- was scored uh, into the hill end. Uh, just so fantastic. And, you know, Kim McCudd will feel, I, I, you know, watching the game that they left it behind them. Uh, but again, I, I thought they went into the shell. They, they tried to hold possession when they were well on top instead of going and uh, putting the foot on the, the throat or, or, or the, the foot on uh, Kilcool's throat and, and really going hard uh, to open the gap. And I probably look, looking back at it, a small little defensive thing was the turning of the game. Um, you know, when it looked like Craig Diaz was going to tap into an empty net and a Kilcool player managed to get back and get his hand to it. And, you know, the lead would have gone out to nine or ten points at that stage. It probably yeah. would have been too much for them. 
So just an incredible game, but the finish really was the beauty of it, not not the game itself. The first half was very, very poor standard. Uh, cool would have been, you know, you were shaking your head wondering how they got that far. Uh, but look, all the more pleasurable for them when they look back at it now and see the way they were able to turn it around and hang in there. And Just one of the great GA stories, yeah. um, absolutely. Just before we move on from this pillar, what did regional club final do for the area around Movie Road in, in North Dublin with Nafina? Is there a legacy to that? Uh, absolutely. You, you know, uh, the, the, the new membership that we got, the interest that it generated, uh, you know, Nafina was, was a GA club in a parish, uh, but the parish became Nafina, I, I would say, after that. You know, the, the, the number of tracksuits and jerseys that you'd see, uh, our nursery was always big, but it became huge in the aftermath of that. Uh, and just the, the general feel-good factor, uh, that team, there were a great set of players and, and they won three Dublin titles in a row. Uh, you know, the pity was that we couldn't have landed in All-Ireland, but we, we were betting two lengths of finals either side of getting to, to uh, that. Uh, for the next two lengths of finals, we were bet by... Um, um, you know, O'Hanlon's Carlo bet us uh, on an awful day the following year. And then the third year, Ratho bet them after a replay. I, I was gone that year. But, uh, you know, to, to win three Dublin championships, we haven't been back there since. We've only won one Leinster title ever in, in our history. Um, but they have a nice team brewing up there now. And they have an awful lot of young, talented players who, who played underage for Dublin. Uh, there are seven of them actually on Desi Farrell's. Uh, panel at the moment so so there, there's a lot of quality up there and uh, the club has grown from strength to strength as a result of it and it's just it's, it still is a day of immense pride for everybody attached albeit that it was a, it was a losing venture uh, but it still didn't take away from the fantastic journey we had that year uh, Rugby wise Mauritasa so Ireland France there's been a lot of debate and discussion as you would get after a huge Six Nations match uh, last weekend at times I felt in the second half they were brilliant Nothing wrong with saying that. Nothing wrong with saying that they didn't perform for 80 minutes. Nothing wrong with saying that they should have kicked for the corner in the last eight minutes because this is top-level sport. These are the elite margins. To me, it's about going and winning it and seizing it. Now, Ronan O'Gara disagreed in the examiner. Brian O'Driscoll was a bit baffled by the call when he was on OTB during the week. Um, Joey Carberry acquitted himself really, really well. Look, we, we'll beat Italy. We know that. I suppose Dan Sheen will come in now given uh, Ronan Callagher's injured we might see Robbie Henshaw, Ian Henderson, Robert Balakoon against Italy in Dublin next Sunday. Then we've got Twickenham away and then we have uh, the the venue for the England game and then we've got Scotland at home uh, between the 12th and 19th of March. What is your feeling around the rugby team after what you saw last Saturday? Um, to me, I would say I would be looking at that and I would be thinking green shoots. Um, I, my worry is probably the wrong word, but for me, continually, for as long as I've watched Irish rugby, we peak at the wrong time. Um, for me, winning the Six Nations is less important. Um, we've won it. We've shown we can do it. Has this particular crop of players proven it? You could say some have, some haven't. Um, to me that's less important to me it's more important that Joey Carberry gets more time on the ball it's more important he gets more time on the field it's more important the younger players who are coming through get time and it's also more important that I think I saw an interesting article I think written by Keen Tracy about um, kind of the the Farrell approach and the fact that he was saying look you can't try to out physical France it is a ridiculous manoeuvre and we need to get smarter about this and I feel maybe that was the match smartness that the Ireland team were missing over the last few years like we saw how when they were playing under Joe 
Schmidt, we, we were saying, look at the power of them. They're, they're going through everyone. Literally, it was impossible to get past the Irish team. And they played that kind of destructive kind of game where it was going straight into combat all the time. And um, for various reasons, it didn't work out. So for me, I'd rather, and I hope that rugby is taking the more long-term view and thinking of the, the World Cup rather than the Six Nations. So to me, now I know there's plenty of people at home now screaming at the radio saying, what the hell does she know? She's talking rubbish. But in my own personal opinion, I'd rather we had a more long-term view of doing well in the Six Nations perhaps not winning it and really my head is thinking who cares as long as we do well and represent ourselves well and go on and build and go beyond a World Cup quarter final. Pillar Caffrey it could be a case of 18 months time we meet France again at the World Cup um, look we got a lot right last weekend and we scored three tries to two uh, I think it is true to say that you're going to meet these powerful sides like South Africa and France and France extremely physically strong and they're able to just replace their, their front five with almost like-minded replacements and we don't have that luxury with Porter and Furlong staying for over 17 minutes on the pitch at the Stade de France so we need to find a way around it and I, I do think that's what Andy Farrell is trying to do he's trying to find a way around it and, and our attack is is as exciting possibly as it has been for many years yeah and they're, 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 you know Ireland at the moment are a great watch um, I, I would agree I, I, you know with the comments that made that I, I think look the view has to be this tournament is this tournament it, it should be about getting a, a deeper panel you know certainly Johnny Sexton you know has been an unbelievable servant and is very important to the Ireland setup but Johnny is 36 you know Joey Carberry is 26 and, and, and that was his first start in the Six Nations Championship last week so like he has to be given game time to you know get his own game management uh, get that experience uh, okay you know you, you presume he'll get the, the, the Italy game next week uh, and then we'll see what happens going forward uh, for the, the, the next the last two games but uh, it has to be really about getting the depth of, of the panel uh, you know in, in a better shape uh, and look we've underperformed at World Cups and, and I would agree that look you know if, if, if we won this year's Six Nations would it make it brilliant yeah absolutely but it's more important that you know we, we've united 2023 in France uh, and breaking that hoodoo of getting beyond a quarterfinal in a World Cup, which with the quality of players we have at the moment, uh, we should be capable of doing, but unfortunately we haven't been so far. So so uh, a very exciting game last week. Um, again, look, a poor start uh, that really like left them, uh, you know, looking up at the scoreboard for a long time. And I think just the physicality that France brought to it and, and the open-your-face nature of them, uh, their blitz defence. I think it probably did catch Ireland by surprise, even though it shouldn't have. Uh, and then look, game management in in in, in all these games. Uh, you know, decision making when you're under pressure in the last few minutes. When when it comes down to a score, a game. Um, you know, it, it, it's these things. The more often you're in these situations, the better you get at making the correct decisions. Um, and that's what it's all about. Uh, so look. I, I would hope to see Joey Carby get more game time and, and let's see that, you know, he, he is a starter or, or we've no problem bringing him in for the World Cup next year. Uh, and let's just appreciate that, look, Johnny Sexton, the, the age that he is, that he can't play every game uh, and, and we have to have a, a, a second starter in that position. And his composure, more Trassel, was probably the most uh, illuminating aspect for Joey Carberry last week. Absolutely. And you don't, you don't learn that composure by going in and saying, 
oh, I'm going to be composed today. It doesn't work that way. You need game time. You need match time. You need to be challenged. You need to work hard. You need to miss a few occasions and you need to do poorly a few times and learn from them. And he just hasn't had that opportunity with his kind of bad run of injuries. I mean, jeepers, has there been a more unlucky player in rugby who's time and time again, you think this is his time to shine and then something happens and he's laid off again for another few weeks and months. So that kind of composure was even more impressive when you think of that, that he's been so hamstrung by so many different... I suppose, obstacles put in his way and he was still able to keep the head. And that's not easy against France in any time, but against France and Paris is, uh, pardon the pun, a different ball game altogether. So it goes to show the depth is there, the talent is there. He just needs the time to grow into it. And Pillar's right. We can't be expecting Johnny Sexton to keep performing. Um, he's He is at that age where I think nearly every game is a bonus for a lot of people at that age. He just seems to be superhuman. He's still going a bit like Tom Brady. But Tom Brady's time came to an end and so will Johnny Sexton's. And we need a Joey Carberry. And we need another Joey Carberry coming up. And actually, we probably should have a third string Joey Carberry ready as well. And yeah. I'm not sure we're there yet. And that's what we need. Well, maybe Jack Carty is making a claim for that at the moment, the way he's playing for Connacht and... Uh Look, it'd be good to see him involved in, in some way in the, in the next 18 months as well in the number 10 position. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there to you both without kind of any planning. Pillar, do you go to League of Ireland games? Are you more likely to go now after the pandemic? Yeah, look, I, I was at home. It was one of the things that I was actually discussing with, with, with my lads at home that uh, we would have a big interest in, in the international soccer games. Uh, I've gone to a lot of the, the, the games over here in Spain, the underage games that they come over and play. I, I, I was watching the Seventeens uh, last week uh, play here uh, and keeping an eye on the talent coming through. Um, and just discussing with my lads, we, we obviously live in Glasnevin, so look, Daily Mount is on our doorstep, as is Tulka Park, and uh, a, a great neighbour across the road who's a long-time Shelbourne fan, and we have great conversations. Uh, so there would be a big interest in the area. A lot of Nafina kids uh, would be Bohemian supporters and go up there regularly. And, um, you know, one of the things that has popped up is, look, there's a huge interest in the games now, uh, but are, are the facilities there uh, at the stadiums? And the two stadiums that I'm talking about, obviously Tolka Park, uh, I see shells are after putting in a bid now or, or open up the, the, the question of whether they can buy the venue and stay there. Um, Daily Mount Park is due to be uh, knocked down and refurbished or whatever, but they, they have become dilapidated, the, the two of them, uh, quite quite poor uh, venues in terms of supporters uh, visiting you know, the facilities, whether these toilets. Uh, I know um, my lads were saying that even Sheldon Park or Tolka Park yesterday, the 4,000 attendants and there was no bar facilities available down there uh, on the night and things like that are just very, very poor. Uh, so I think... The, the product is better now. There's a bigger interest in League of Ireland soccer than there ever was. Uh, and they just need to be careful that uh, while that interest is there, that they should be in a position. If you compare Parnell Park, John, for example, as a venue to go and watch a game where 10,000 people can go in uh, and get in quite comfortably and get out quite comfortably and, uh, you know, all sides of the, of, of the ground is open to go, whether it's standing on the terrace or... Uh, the one side that is fully standard in Parallel Park there's a lovely atmosphere you can get some hot food there you can get drinks you can uh, you know there, there's lots of parking around there's e- easy access in and out the same couldn't be said like for your visit to Daly Mount or, or Tulka Park at the moment um, and that's an issue because Bowes and Shelburne would both get very big crowds for their home games um, 
I think it was only 15 euros in in, in last night to, to go down and see uh, Shells playing, which is a fantastic value on a, on a Friday night in Dublin uh, to, to tip down and see quality football. So, uh, you know, it's a pity that the facilities aren't better at the moment to capitalise on, on what's happening and the interest with the young crowd in particular to go to these games. Would you go to Galway United more, Trasa? And I'm kind of thinking when I hear what Peter is saying, why can't we have municipal stadium in this country? Well, that's a bigger question, isn't it? Um, do you know what? I Back in the day when I was much younger, Galway United seemed to have a much bigger hold on the community. And I use that in a positive term than they do right now, even though it is growing again. Way back when, back in the day when Don O'Reardon was in there, I do remember going to Galway United games as a child. And then whatever happened, I don't know if it was because the Galway team of 98 took us all on the Gaelic football lane then or what. I don't know, but it just kind of grew away from it, honestly. It had been, honestly, for years, if I hadn't been working at a League of Ireland game for, say, off the ball or somebody, I wasn't there. I wasn't going to them as a fan. But I think that's because I'm not from an area that had a team that you could connect with. But that being said, in the last year, I began presenting the Women's National League on TG Cahad and it was eye-opening. It was so entertaining. We had so much fun doing it. The quality, like they were great games to watch and it goes to show the quality was there because so many of the women we saw last season are now gone off overseas playing for teams over in England and beyond. So it goes to show we have the talent. And I think, to be fair to the League of Ireland, they're understanding this and they're putting in huge efforts. We've seen the fairy tale stories of the Dundalks over the years. But, like, for example, LOI TV are going to be showing all uh, highlights from all games, all divisions, male and female, every Monday night between now and the end of the season. I know the women's don't start for another few weeks, but that's 6 p.m. every Monday. That's visibility they didn't have before. And to be fair, I don't, I'm not really sure whose fault that is. Was it their own fault for not doing the promotion? Was it that we as broadcasters weren't understanding the product we had? Was it a mixture of both? Was it due to the facilities? Was it because our eyes were always looking at Man United, Liverpool, West Ham, Arsenal? Is that part of the problem? I think you could be a fan of Liverpool and Shelburne. I don't see why it has to be one or the other. And as Pillar was saying, like if you live in Dublin, the prospect of a Friday night banger derby to go down, have a few drinks, have your warm tea, go and then go to the pub afterwards for dinner or have a meal beforehand or whatever there's a great appeal to something you can just walk up in it's a community thing I think they're getting there they're not fully there yet but uh, for me especially after what I saw last year in the Women's National League and it came down to a cliffhanger right at the end where we thought Piemont would win the trophy had to be zoomed in a car across town into into Shelburne in the end because they're the ones who won it it was just magical and that's only going to improve we have a better calibre of players now I know this weekend wouldn't be the weekend you'd say you say you'd seen quality because of the weather yeah. and the condition of the pitches but like We've got better players playing now. They're technical. They're younger. It's a different demographic of player playing. And I think the demographic of people watching is changing as well, which is all good. But they do need to become more proactive. They need to kind of shove it in our faces a bit more and tell us, come here. This is why. And I think LOI TV is a great start. Yeah, I think that we saw with Bohemians playing matches in Dublin in the summer, the interest there was. The FAI Cup final had a record attendance, the biggest attendance since 1968. Talca Park was a sellout last night. Bohemians games at Dediman Park are regularly sold out. And I think at the moment, the clubs are doing everything they can. I just think the, the facilities, as Peter said, are, are, are definitely a challenge. And it's a case of, I, I think, for Irish football and for the government or for the FAI, the most important thing from Monday morning until Sunday night is the facilities, both for the players, the actors themselves, but also for the for the supporters. Because 
you're looking at it as a different world, but you're looking at the Super Bowl last week. And if you've been at the Super Bowl in Los Angeles and seen that halftime show, the experience is a huge part of what uh, being a supporter is about. The football, as I agree with you, Mortrasa, I think has never been as, as good in recent years. Um, the fact that, you know, you can't have players now leaving until 18 because of Brexit. Um, look at the amount of players being snapped up in the English League and in Scotland recently from the League of Ireland and we'll talk about it between three and five with Dan and Johnny but uh, there's a grand swell of enthusiasm with Damien Duff being in the sideline there at Talca Park last night and it's just a case of can we get a better situation when it comes to um, the product in terms of the infrastructure around it Um, there's no uh, shortage of money in golf at the moment folks Uh, I don't know if you've any interest in this kind of row or not what it could be a row in the future but this uh, tug of war between um, a potential breakaway league involving Saudi Arabian funds uh, versus the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour I think golfers already are extremely wealthy Um, what do they want to be do they want to be athletes that compete for the biggest prizes in the game and remember that sport is meant to be competitive or do they just want more houses three to five houses for their kids like how much money is enough money and I kind of see that the the Saudi league uh, the proposal whether it gets off the ground or not just com- seems completely soulless and depressing to me um, now to be fair to all the top players they were great this week Rory McIlroy John Ram Colin Marikawa coming out against this uh, concept that to me doesn't really have any meaning um I'm looking at the Genesis Invitational leaderboard at halfway, where the top 10 players in the world are. Wacken Neiman, who leads, is 32nd in the world. The guy Cameron Young, who's second, uh, was on a sponsor's invite. So anything can happen. It's extremely exciting. Um, do you, any of you in this more trust of the Saudi shilling? I don't like it. Um, I just, I don't. It makes me very uncomfortable for lots of reasons. And the big one is, well, we know Saudi Arabia's record in human rights and rights for women. In fact, anyone who isn't one of the people in charge in that country, to be honest. Um, But as well as that, yeah, like you said, I mean, how much money is enough money? Like, I don't know. I'm not rich, but I'm assuming you get to a point in life where, you know, you have enough money to live, you're comfortable, you don't have to worry about spending, you can buy your houses, you can go on your holidays, you don't have to work except show up to a tournament whenever you feel like it. Like, what do they need that extra money for? Is it enough to step over that threshold of, you know, really, once you go to Saudi Arabia, you are condoning, I don't care what anybody says, you are condoning how they treat people and how they live. But on the other hand, is that very different to Newcastle? Is it very different to Man City? What's the difference? I don't know. And at what stage do we decide, oh, we can't morally go to Saudi Arabia, but I'll go, I'll go over to, to the Emirates over the weekend. That'll be grand. So where do we draw the line? And that's something I don't know. But for me, Saudi is very easy to draw the line to because it's not a country I'm going to go to. It's not a place that's high on the holiday list. It's not a glamour destination. So it's very easy for me to say, no, I don't like it. But, you know, who am I to be the... Why would I say that Saudi Arabia is not okay, but going to support Man City is, as just an example, you know? Just before we go, because I run out of time, Pillar, I just want to read out a bit of Philly McMahon, who was in the Irish Independent today, speaking about Dublin and Mayo. Um, at halftime of the 2020 All-Ireland Final, we're going down the tunnel at the same time as the Mayo players, one of whom was Killian O'Connor. He just missed a free and ever the opportunist. I rem- reminded him about it as he walked by. Within two seconds, I had three of them on top of me, raring to go, frothing at the mouth. I petered out in a couple of seconds, but they were raging. Childish, maybe, but there was a method to it. They went off to cool down while I went into our dressing room, delighted myself. I had three of them out of their zone, thinking about me instead of something actually important. We knew exactly, this is another part of the article, what our values were, because when we looked to the sideline or back at the goldmouth, we saw the people who epitomised what we did. I never got the same feeling from Mayo. Don't get me wrong, they have some brilliant players, guys who've stood, stood up and produced stunning performances in big games, but I'm not sure who their chiefs are. 
you can never really tell what goes on inside another team's camp, but you sense things. I always felt that we'd stronger leaders in Mayo and a better environment, says Philly McMahon in the Irish Independent today. They play this evening in the league, uh, Pillar. Will that be on the Mayo dressing room wall? Well, look, there's <laughs> Philly, Philly returned and he's still starting it. Uh, you know, even at club level in Dublin, he, he, he was the player that the opposition loved to hate and... Uh, you know, some of the things, Philly was an enforcer on the pitch for Ballywan Kickhams and for Dublin and uh, he, he's still enforcing off the pitch now in his, his articles, uh, you know, quite a provocative article in, in ways, um, you know, he's speaking from, I suppose, the moral high ground in terms of, look, it has been a great rivalry, Dublin Mayo for the last 10 years, but only from a Dublin perspective, because if you keep beating the team year in, year out, uh, it's not a, a real rivalry, uh, you know. Mayo will feel that, look, last year, uh, you know, maybe this is a turning point. We know Dublin are in a period of rebuilding now. Uh, I'm sure Mayo will be very anxious to, to stick it into Dublin tonight uh, and, and to put more pressure on the Dublin as a squad in terms of the rebuild that's going on, that has to go on. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how much teams, uh, you know, read into these things uh, the day of a match or whatever, but... It was quite a hard-hitting article in ways because there's been so little between the teams. But unfortunately, no more than Dublin Kerry for a long number of years. The Kerry yeah. people said it was a great rivalry. It was a brilliant rivalry for them. It was horrible for, for us clubs <laughs> because we, we, we couldn't get the better of them. And while we joke and laugh about it and all that, it's the same at Mayo. Uh, you know, they had so many games where, you know, the, the, the one decision here or there and they could have gotten over the line. Uh, and, and winning in All-Ireland and beating Dublin and you know I was at that semi-final last year and to see you know grown Mayo men in tears at the end of the game having beaten Dublin after extra time and you know I left the stadium knowing like Mayo were so bad the first half of that game that they were very far away from winning in All-Ireland leaving that stadium that evening but they felt having bet the dubs at long last like it was I think 2012 since the last bet them that it was going to be their year and then looked Tyrone came up with a performance in the All Ireland final the night and once again. So, you know, there's huge hurt there, and and that, like may always that story that we're waiting for the GA to happen and, and to relieve them of that burden uh, of the big long gap since the last All Ireland win. But as long as it's there, you know, there'll be people that'll be making hay off it and giving the reasons why uh, it hasn't happened. So I, I would think tonight is another stepping stone for Mayo to. Yeah. actually go and beat it up in Crow Park and feel good about themselves. Okay. More Trasa, just briefly. Well, I enjoyed the article the same way I enjoyed David Hickey's article a few years ago. I love the stirring. We don't see enough of it. That kind of trash talk. Give me more. I don't care what team is involved. It was just so good to read it and be good. Oh, what a burn. What an excellent burn. And I hope somebody else comes out next week and does the same in hurling or another team in football. It is fantastic. Give us more Philly. Hook it into my veins. Loving it. <laughs> Fair enough. More Trassi Nicali, Pillar Caffrey. Thanks so much. Come on, guys. The Saturday panel on Off the Ball.